Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is episode four of the Harneys podcast, R&I over Wi-Fi. We are recording this on a sunny afternoon in Grand Cayman in the Cayman Islands. I'm Lachlan Gregg. I'm a senior associate uh, in the Harneys team here in Cayman. And with me is partner Paul Madden. And uh, together we are part of the global restructuring team at Harneys. Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lachlan, how's it going? Good, good. Before we started formally, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who is supporting the podcast. Um, we've had some really great feedback and we can see you guys are smashing that like button. We know it's hopefully popular because of the quality of the content, but no doubt also because of the phase of the economic climate we're in. Um, interest in restructuring is at an all-time high. Paul, do you want to uh, tell me what's on your mind restructuring-wise? Sure. Restructuring is the buzzword at the moment. Certainly, Harneys is seeing a huge uptick in the number of instructions in the field. So we thought within that context in particular, we would look at one discrete aspect, uh, namely the solvency threshold for accessing the restructuring tools here in Cayman. Maybe you might want to give a bit of oversight of the process here, Lachlan? Yeah, restructuring is not always a insolvency-driven process necessarily. We have a range of tools here for solvent restructurings. We have capital reductions, mergers, consolidations, that kind of thing. Uh, we are looking at insolvency-driven restructurings. Um, what form do they typically take here? Well, you deploy your solvent restructuring tools, like the ones I just mentioned, or often a scheme of arrangement, and you do that alongside a provisional liquidation appointment. The thought of an appointment of a provisional liquidator is that often rankles. Uh, people don't really understand, you know, liquidation sounds terminal, restructuring, you, you want to save the company. So why appoint a provisional liquidator? Well, here in Cayman, the primary reason is that you get access to the statutory moratorium against uh, adverse creditor action, and they'll give you the breathing room you need to formulate and execute your restructuring plan. It also helps in that you're bringing in some very experienced insolvency practitioners who are going to help the company navigate its way through the process. Stakeholder buying is, is obviously huge. It is a course process of which all interested parties and all stakeholders have a right of appearance. And certainly from their point of view, when you have the uh, JPLs appointed, they bring that level of kind of independent oversight, which I sure you'd agree gives a level of comfort to the stakeholders. Absolutely. And a restructuring is always a smoother process if you do have the stakeholder buy-in. And I think when you, when you have those independent court officers there, that really puts everyone's mind at ease. They know that someone independent is overseeing the process and, and looking out for their interests. Most of these PLs are coming from your major shops around the world. So the likes of KPMG, Deloitte, PwC, FFP, etc. So they're all well-known practitioners and the courts are very familiar with them as well. But that's pretty much the same in Cayman, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we have all the big insolvency practitioners here. So there are a range to choose from. And obviously, depending on where your company has its operations, you know, some firms might suit better than others uh, in terms of where they have other offices. For today, we are focusing on what does it mean to be unlikely to become unable to pay your debts? That is typically not something that's had a huge amount of consideration in a restructuring context. Why is that? Well, often it's because the company is in the best position to talk about its own financial position. And it's very hard to dispute that when the company comes to court presenting a very comprehensive position of its financials. Paul, what does it mean under Cayman Law to be unable to pay debts? 
Sure. To reconfirm that point, this is something that doesn't necessarily get much airtime in court because ordinarily it's the company or the directors that are seeking the appointment of the JPLs to pursue the restructuring mandate. But I think, as you've said, there's effectively two statutory limbs that need to be met. And given that one of them does touch on this sovereignty point, it is probably worth our while digging into it a little deeper, even if it's not something that is uh, subject to much judicial commentary. But just to answer your question, um, Lachlan, and effectively, what is the inability to pay debts? Well, Cayman Islands is part of the common law world, and therefore, as, as most people know, there are generally two acceptable tests for insolvency, the cash flow test and the balance sheet test. Uh, on the assumption that people are familiar with both, I think it's fair to say in the most general of terms that the test for insolvency in Cayman is generally considered by reference to the cash flow test only. But I think we have to caveat that statement and we have to remind ourselves that while it's generally accepted that the cash flow test is the appropriate test, the facts of the case must always be considered and everything can turn on the facts as, as each case is different from another. So when you are considering solvency, and in particular the cash flow test, you do need to go through various points. When a company is to remain or to be considered solvent, that company is not required to have sufficient cash ready to cover its commitments as they fall due for payment. The company instead, I would say, must have readily realizable assets whether they can be realized into cash and time or other liquid resources to be made to meet the payments of debt is, is also a question of fact. You have to say whether an assessment of a company can pay its debts, one must also consider the nature and the circumstances of the company's activities, the nature of the company's assets, their liabilities, and the company's historic conduct in paying the debt under consideration and its debts generally. There are many different examples and we'd be going on for probably far too long. But I think the key point is here, it, it is too general a statement, I would say, that only the cash flow test is relevant. You must consider each case on its facts. And it would be unwise, I would say, for companies seeking to avail of the restructuring mandate here to simply make a bare assertion as to solvency on the basis of the cash flow, because it could be subjected to greater scrutiny by the courts. And just to bear that in mind. Yeah, absolutely, because when you're coming to the court here in Cayman to apply for provisional liquidators, you are getting the benefit of our statutory moratorium. It's quite a serious thing because creditors can't enforce their debt, their debts as they ordinarily would. So it's not simply a box-ticking exercise. Um, practically speaking, Paul, we would recommend the company put together a fairly comprehensive financial position and put that into evidence. Um, and as you said, it's never going to be as simple as pointing to your cash flow statement and saying, look, that's not looking very good. It probably won't even be as simple as pointing to your current assets and current liabilities in your statement of financial position because obviously there's a lot of nuance there you know realistically for example are you going to be able to bring in all those accounts receivable turn them into cash it's it's going to be a very fact specific exercise yeah i think that has to be right and while technically you can meet the statutory threshold by asserting or otherwise proving that you are insolvent by reference to a cash flow test i think in reality you have to put the full financial picture before the court so 
it can reach its own conclusion based on the evidence you put forward. Brilliant. So, Paul, you you will know this, and probably many people listening to this podcast will know that Cayman is actually looking at having a bit of a revamp of its restructuring regime, and we'll get into that in another podcast. But big picture, it, it will mean that we no longer have a provisional liquidator in aid of an insolvent restructuring. Uh, instead, there will be a bespoke restructuring officer regime. So it's so a bit of a, a marketing spin there on the traditional process. But for the purposes of today, everything we've still talked about is going to be valid because the way the changes are currently formulated, you'll still need to go to court. You'll still need to explain to the judge why it is that you are unable to pay your debts or you're going to be unlikely to be unable to pay your debts uh, in the future. Great. Well, Paul, that's it from me. Thank you very much for downloading us, listening to us, and we look forward to having you here for episode five, which will come out in the next few weeks. Thank you very much. Thank you.